Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. Uh, I am your host, and you have landed on the 245th episode of the podcast. Today, we're talking to Meg Jones-Wall about her book, Finding the Fool, A Tarot Journey to Radical Transformation. Meg comes from a background similar to the one that many of us came from. She grew up in the church. Uh, a lot of church in her background, uh, New King James Version of the Bible kind of thing, uh, church planting is in her background, uh, lots of different things. You're going to find yourself saying, ah, yes, me too, to a lot of things that Meg talks about regarding her own journey. Uh, and then she came across tarot cards in 2016-ish, I think, when she had like one foot in the church and one foot out. And over time, these cards became... Uh, a very integrated or integral part of her uh, spiritual journey. Uh, today, she's a tarot reader. She runs the 3AM tarot, uh, tarot, 3AM tarot on Instagram. And a uh, really interesting person, amazing story. And she's just doing incredible work in the world. And so I'm excited to introduce you to her. If you're like on the fence about tarot, trying to figure out, because people reach out to me and they're like, so like I, I listened to the tarot episode and I, I don't know about if I should get a deck of cards if I should start by reading a book. Uh, listen, Meg's story, Meg's going to help you feel much much less like, much less, what's the word? Much less like afraid, I guess, to jump into it. Because if you grew up in our world, right, you were told the tarot cards are evil. They're of the devil, right? You're going you're gonna to go to hell. You know, you're going to bring demons into your house, all this kind of stuff. If you open up these cards immediately, and Meg is going to make you feel so much more at home and so much more at ease with this whole topic. And she answers some of my questions about starting a tarot practice, picking a deck, all the different things. She has a tarot reading for us uh, to end the show. Really good stuff. I'm going to put her a link in the show notes along with her book. Uh, the book is available for pre-order until the first when it comes out. So if you want to go pick it up, do it. Uh, the book is very unique compared to other tarot books that are out there. And she'll talk a little bit about that uniqueness uh, in the show. Also in the show notes are going to be a link to my book, Rethinking Everything. Patreon if you want to support the show and jump into a community of sorts where you'll feel less alone on your spiritual journey. Find more people who are out here in the wilderness, uh, wandering around, exploring their faith and their thoughts about God and uh, Jesus and the cross and all the different kinds of things. So anyway... Again, links from the show notes. This is episode number 245 with Meg Jones-Wall. Let's find the fool. Enjoy. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah. This mind don't buy, don't play by the rules. I'm gonna make sure that I play my cards right. Intuition gave me signs that everything is all right. Contemplating on my moves, I'm in a fight Under pressure, feel the walls, I'm moving in, it's getting tight, getting tight. The shuffle getting real. real, I hope it lives on something good I'm all in for the kill, kill sometimes kill, it's kill. getting kinda scary I'm here for the thrill, decisions on top of decisions Like I chose a pill, the bottle getting kinda empty Temptations made us presence in the air, it's kinda tempting Shortcuts out the question, but it got on my attention Uh-oh, and I forgot, but did I Mention. Looks like I won the game, made my decision. I listen. I listen. I listen. I listen. I listen. I listen. 
Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with a brand new guest, uh, Meg Jones-Wall, who wrote an amazing book called Finding the Fool, and it's subtitled A Tarot Journey to Radical Transformation. So Meg, uh, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have this conversation. Thank you so much. Me too. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, definitely. So we have a ton to talk about in regards (laughs) to your story, uh, your faith journey, tarot, all the different things, how you got to the place where you wrote this book. But First, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, a general introduction to Meg. Who are you? Uh, what do you do? What do we need to know? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Meg Jones-Wall. Um, I use both she, her, and they, them pronouns. Both are absolutely fine. Um, right now, I live in Brooklyn, but I have lived all over the country and in a few other countries as well. Um, <laughs> I grew up evangelical. My parents were essentially Baptist church planters. I have ministers on both sides of my family going back um and got married young um but i found tarot uh during my saturn return honestly (laughs) um in 2016 i i left i had left the church um being queer but also not really agreeing with some of the politics uh i found tarot um politics in the church i don't know i know can you believe it (laughs) it's hard to believe (laughs) (laughs) i was like "Mm, this doesn't feel great for me (laughs) um found tarot as as a way to try to open a different spiritual door and Mm -hmm. i've kind of been going down that path ever since and it's been great so yeah and (laughs) and when was that year of that you got into tarot Uh, i bought my first deck in 2016 in the summer that's not long ago that's not no it's not too long ago yeah so maybe can you take us into your story a little bit because in the introduction you have this quote and I have it over here uh you say when I was a kid growing up in a conservative religious family of pastors and church planters magic was considered a dirty word so can you talk to us more about this world that you grew up in and the place where you are now kind of how you got from there to here because a lot of our listeners are going to be new to tower related Mm -hmm. things but the majority of them grew up in that conservative fundamentalist setting so there's a lot of common ground like you're speaking our language yeah. <laughs> so maybe yeah, take 100%. us into yeah take us into that a little bit and what that looked like to move from that world to where you are now yeah absolutely so um when i was little uh, my mm-hmm. family moved from southern california to new england um mm-hmm. and uh, my parents found an alliance church that they were attending but um fairly soon christian it, missionary alliance i uh, i believe it was a an uh I actually don't know. I should okay. look it up. I, I it, it wasn't a church they were involved in very long. Gotcha, I was gotcha. like five. Sure. <laughs> um, so, but they they very quickly met a um, a man who had come to plant a church with his family, mm-hmm. um, and they really aligned with his theology and his doctrine, and um, and decided that they would leave the Alliance Church to help him become like some of the founding members. So the first church service was in my parents' house, mm-hmm. um, and they are still very involved in that church. Um, Thirty years later, my dad preached, was on the elder board, uh, ran the music department. My mom headed up a lot of different steering committees and groups. Um, and so as their eldest daughter, I was uh, <laughs> held to very high standards um, around being a leader in the church, being a role mm-hmm. model in the church, um, being a, a good Christian girl and following the rules and dressing appropriately and having appropriate relationships and friendships yeah. and hobbies yeah. and everything that goes along with the whole that. nine yards. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were we were Baptist. We were Calvinist. We were um, very fire and brimstone, very anti-queer. <laughs> um, it was very, yeah, very conservative, very fundamentalist. Yeah. And so um, I went to Bible college <laughs> and um, ended up getting a minor in theology by accident because I kept trying to figure out if you could be a queer Christian all at the same time. You just took all um, the classes on theology and before you know legit, it. You like I, I even took like independent studies on the right. New Testament. I, I was I was in there. I, I wouldn't have if you had asked me at the time. That's not what I would have told you I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting in every panel on homosexuality in the Bible. I oh. was 
I was in the background of everything trying to mm. figure out how to uh, rectify my faith and what I'd always been told about homosexuality and sin um, with the relationship that I had with Jesus mm. and and the love that I felt from God and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make those two pieces work um, mm. in the, and I know there are affirming faiths, but the one that I was raised in was not affirming at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and in fact was intensely harmful. Yeah. So what did it look like to step out of that world? Like, do you have any associations today with that former tribe or have you moved completely from there? I've moved pretty firmly away. Okay. It was not a clean break. Um, okay. It was not a, uh, it was not a, I woke up one morning and was like, I can't do this anymore. It was a very slow, gradual attending less and less services, you know, okay. just creating more and more distance. Yeah. Um, prayer was always huge for me. I, I, I still pray a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't only pray to the Christian God anymore, yeah. but um but yeah, leaving, leaving the relationship behind was a lot more complicated for me and, and isn't really over exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't quite know how to talk around that, but sure. um, leaving the church to me felt very different than leaving God. Um, yeah. But the, cause the church was where it felt like a lot of the harm had been done and okay. and the specific doctrines and, and rules and um, kind of the shape that the church wanted me to take up as a person um, felt very different than the relationship that I had with God. Sure. So did tarot come into the picture when you still had a kind of like one foot in the door, one foot out, or was (laughs) did tarot come into the picture? Yeah, I think I was, I was pulling that second foot out. (laughs) Um, Stuck in there, but trying to get it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cause you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, I I mean, I, I, it wasn't just like me and my faith. It was also Mm -hmm. my, my parents, my family, my, my grandparents and aunts and uncles and everyone that I knew, like my whole life was built around the church and this faith, you know, it's not something that anyone does lightly to leave it behind, but I was also like incredibly depressed. Mm -hmm. I I was dealing, I was in a space of like self-harm and suicidal ideation and several attempts that I survived. Like it's not a healthy thing to be in at that point. And when you feel that alone and that scorned by God, it's, it's a very difficult place to be in. Um, but you're also like trying to leave your life behind essentially and, and try to build a new one. Um, and reimagining your faith is not an easy thing to do. So for me, it was very much like, how can I have or adjust my relationship with God and let the church, the church can just be its own separate thing that I'm not going to be involved with anymore, but how can I reclaim this relationship with God and, and expand it in a way that it feels like mine? Like, how can I build a spiritual practice that feels like mine and doesn't have these ties to the church where then I find myself falling back into these rules and this like sense of censoring myself or, or having to live a certain way. Like, how can I reclaim God for myself and build a relationship that actually feels safe and affirming for me? Um, and I, I'd never had a tarot reading, you know, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know very much about the cards, but I just kept thinking about them. They kept popping up in books I was reading and yeah. um, I couldn't stop thinking about them. And so I was finally like, well, let's give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? Right, right. right. <laughs> so, so you get your, you, you get, I'm assuming you went and you got a, you got a tarot deck and then did. what did it, what did it start to, what did it look like? What was what did the relationship with these cards look like as you first opened it? Because I imagine, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but me growing up in a similar kind of world, when I got my first deck, the internal Christian soldier was like, 
burn those cars. What are you doing? <laughs> You're going to Get hell. rid of them. <laughs> You're doing something wrong. Yeah, I really had this. It, it was it was very much a sense. Like I think that was part of what held me back from buying them. I yeah. I, I had a few things, but like months and months went by where I was thinking about the cards and wanting the cards, and I I just kept getting in my head. I was googling like, can Christians read tarot? Is tarot <laughs> of the devil like? Yep. Um, I wasn't raised, the church that I was raised in didn't talk very much about uh, tarot or witchcraft mm-hmm. or anything. It wasn't super prevalent. Um, but I, I had a sense that, you know, if people that I had grown up with knew that that's what I was doing, that there would be a lot of judgment um, yeah. and a lot of harsh words for me. Um, so yeah, I, I finally, I finally got it together. <laughs> I gathered my little scraps of courage and went to this <laughs> bookstore and uh, I went to the Strand and bought my first deck. Um, and I didn't know what to do with them. Like mm-hmm. I, I pulled them out and I, you know, so many of the books that I had read were like, yeah, you know, I've been reading since I was 12 and it was so intuitive and natural. And I started pulling cards and I was like, I don't know what any of this means. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> like, this is a, this is a drawing of a stick on a card. And I don't know. I don't know what, what is that supposed means. to mean what, for my what, life? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, and it, and it, it felt, can I swear? It felt like yeah. shit. Like yeah. <laughs> it felt terrible. I was like, yeah. oh, I've been thinking about this nonstop. Um, and I finally did a brave thing and mm stepped way outside my comfort zone and bought this thing and like it was a mistake like this isn't Mm. for me I I can't do this is this God telling me like that this was a mistake you know like all the things that you do (laughs) when you're (laughs) like have I have I done something wrong um so yeah that that first the first six months the first year really was was a huge struggle I every time I picked them up I was like I don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. I didn't feel wrong but it Mm -hmm. did feel like I didn't know how to I did not know how to read them sure um yeah so did you get like did you did you go to like to the bookstore and try to find books on tarot cards to try to help you understand what they're about because I I have that I had that sense too like when I first Mm. got the cards I opened them up and I'm like I'm just gonna look at them you know it's gonna be intuitive that's what everybody says and I open them up I'm like what is this? Like, I don't know what I'm looking at. And then you try to do a, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'll try a spread. And that was even more confusing. Oh, now I've yeah. got not just one card. I've got like four cards in front of yeah. me. I don't know what any of them mean. Oh my God. My first spread, I tried to do the Celtic cross. What What was that? Oh, no. <laughs> 10 cards? Like, absolutely yeah. not. I still don't use that spread. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it's so overwhelming. And yeah, yeah. If, like so many of the resources do say it's intuitive. Just, just, you know, read what you see. And I was like, how? I don't, mm. I don't understand that. So yeah, I had, um, I would pull a card a day. Um, I still do, but I would pull a card a day and, and then, yeah, I would spend like an hour or two looking at all my favorite websites. I'd have my little white book open and then all Mm. the other books that I'd bought. It was like Bible study. Like I would literally be sitting on my bed with websites and papers and my notes and books spread all around. And I would focus all of my energy on deciphering this one card, trying to figure out what it was telling me. Um, I think that's yeah. a I think that's an interesting <laughs> parallel because a lot of our listeners get that idea of Bible study or morning mm-hmm. devotions, right? Like when you spend your time with the Bible and you're trying to see what, mm-hmm. what does God have to say to me today. I feel like mm-hmm. that's the sense I almost get with the cards. Like when I'm pulling one card a day, mm-hmm. there's a lot of times I'll see, I'll open up a book like your book, which we'll get to in a minute or another book, and I'll have my Bible there. And I almost see like there's like a parallel between mm-hmm. things. And like, I feel like I can sense the universe or God or whatever it is speaking something to me mm-hmm. about my life and that has a lot of parallels back to my old days which mm-hmm. i think breaks down the walls a little bit like it makes it feel less threatening and less scary especially for those of us who are told that this is demonic and evil 100 like 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, having, having your Bible open with the tarot cards next to them, like it's like, it's all paper and ink. It's really just about what you're bringing to it (laughs) and what you're seeing in it. But if you don't know how to see anything in a tarot card, if you don't know what it's trying to communicate, especially if you're using it alongside prayer, which is what I was doing a lot in the early days, especially like Mm -hmm. um, using it as a, as a, as a tool to try to, you know, speak with God in a more specific way. Um, if you can't figure out what it means, <laughs> it doesn't feel great. <laughs> right, exactly. And and it feels like why am I why am I making this even more complicated for myself? Now I also feel inadequate or like yeah. I can't um, unpack what's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so your book. Tell us about maybe elevator pitch it for us if you would like. Who is the <laughs> who's the target audience of this book? What's it What's it about? Most importantly, how is it different from other tarot books that are out there? Because I would argue, and we said this before we hit record, but I feel like it's the, the content of this book is very different from other books mm. that are out there. So maybe take us into that a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. So Finding the Fool um, was really conceived as a book that was meant to um, make anyone feel welcome within the tarot, regardless mm. of who you are, where you come from, what your background is, what your identity is, what your culture is, um, but also how you want to use the cards, whether you mm. want to use them for religious and spiritual purposes or just creative purposes or self-reflection or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the cards have space in all of those pathways for every single person who is interested in using them. I'm right. not interested in converting people to using tarot, but <laughs> I am interested in offering support systems for people that want to use the cards, particularly if the first time you picked up a deck, you were like me and and you, it sounds like, and didn't mm-hmm. know what to do with them or didn't yeah. like have a sense of how to get into the language of tarot because it can mm-hmm. be really overwhelming. And so um, the the really uh, the big idea, the driving force behind this book was making a companion, not to tell you how to think or how to read, but to offer different pathways forward so that on your own journey, you don't feel alone and you yeah. feel like there's a voice there with you being like, yeah, that's fine. You don't know what that card means? Cool. Me neither. Let's <laughs> right. let's figure it out. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're the one of the things I feel like the the book really brings forward that I think it's probably prevalent in other books as well, but it, I feel like it's more there in your book is that these these cards are representative of like a journey that mm-hmm. a human being, all of us, kind of like the human condition, all that that we all go on. And so I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what like tarot has come to mean for you personally in regards to that, that journey, kind of finding yourself in the journey, finding yourself in the archetypes of these cards and things like that. Like, what does that look like for you on a regular basis? That's a great question. Um, I think that for me, tarot just helps me like kind of anchor myself in whatever present place Mm. I'm in um you know I don't I don't use the cards predictively I don't use them for divination really it's for me it's more uh that old adage you know tarot is a a mirror not a crystal ball Mm -hmm. um I very much use it as a tool for reflection and introspection Mm -hmm. um and intuition and so for me it's a way to kind of tap into what I'm feeling in that moment or um, what I might be trying to figure out. I find it really useful as a tool for untangling complicated emotions or, you know, if I'm not sure which path I want to take, it helps me create a space in order to do that. That doesn't have a right or wrong answer. It's just Mm -hmm. exploratory. And so I think for me, when I'm pulling cards, especially when I get like a major arcana archetype or, um, and you know, there are some challenging cards in the, in the deck, it, Mm -hmm. it really, captures all of the facets of human existence, not just mm-hmm. the happy, positive ones or the, the the things that we might be striving for. Um, 
I find that the cards really meet me where I am um, mm -hmm. and help give me an anchor into where I am in that moment, where I'm feeling in that moment, even if that moment is challenging, even if I don't understand what's going on in a particular yeah. moment, mm -hmm. um, it helps give me language and um, yeah, clarity a mm -hmm. little bit around where I am and like what's happening. Yeah. I think that's important for people to hear is that it's, it's, the cards for you are help you understand the present moment mm -hmm. versus the future. Cause I feel like that's, that's a, one of the, not the lie, but I feel like that's something that we've all been told mm -hmm. is that these are about predicting the future, things like that. And I know that there are people who use them Absolutely. in that way and that that's fine, but okay. I think you don't have to use them that way. And I feel like it's important for people to hear that you can take these cards and you can introduce them to your own spiritual practice wherever you are, like you said before, the book is speaking to you wherever you are in your journey. It's not telling you to revamp everything. It's not telling yeah. you to, you're doing it wrong, do it this way. It's here. If you want to get into these cards, you're already doing something. Maybe they can fit in in this way. 100%. Yeah. The cards are a tool and you can use them mm -hmm. for any number of things. You know, I know, I know writers that use them with no spiritual component whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They just use them to inspire, you know, help them figure out characters or yeah. untangle a plot point or, you know, mm -hmm. build some new layer into their work. Um, I certainly know people that use them, you know, predictively or for divination. And there are certain techniques that you can use with the cards around that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I know a lot of people like myself who just use them as a, as a form of reflection and, and an opportunity. It kind of helps you carve out some space for introspection and yeah. and i think all of those things have value but you don't have to use them in any particular way mm -hmm. yeah so can you tell us about could you maybe give us like a peek into a day in the life of meg with these cards because a lot of people <laughs> ask me they're like well i'm trying to develop like a practice i'm trying mm -hmm. to introduce them to my my my, my life like mm -hmm. what does it look like for you to use the cards just on a regular you know, wake up to bedtime kind of day? Like, do you use them more in the morning? Do you refer to them back throughout the day? Is it kind of like pull one early on and that's kind of like your card for the day? Like, what does it look like for you on a regular basis? Sure. So yeah, my regular practice mm -hmm. is not daily. I just want to make it very clear that I don't think that like, routines are only good if you do them every single day or with yep. consistency. Like I think rituals and routines have value no matter how frequently mm. or infrequently you visit them. Um, but for me, uh, generally I pull a card in the morning mm -hmm. um, and I usually just pull one. Um, if my partner and I are reading for each other, which we do fairly frequently, mm. um, sometimes we'll pull one or sometimes we'll pull three. Um, but uh, I don't typically use spreads. I usually just pull a card. Um, I take a, I take a moment for meditation and just mm -hmm. to kind of like calm my mind <laughs> like mm -hmm. um, kind of acknowledge any thoughts that are tangling around. If I have something in particular I want to draw for, I'll try to kind of clarify that. Mm -hmm. um, but often I just kind of ask, you know, what do I, what do I need to be aware of today? Mm -hmm. What's something I should be thinking about today or something I need to know? Um, and I shuffle and I breathe and I pull a card and I'll um, take a few minutes to kind of journal about it. Sometimes I put those things on Instagram. Sometimes I just keep them <laughs> for myself. Um but yeah, that's kind of it. And so I don't, I don't use it as like a, what is today going to hold for me or mm -hmm. like what's going to happen today? Um, or what, what do I, what should I be doing today? For me, it's much more, what's an energy to be paying attention to, or, mm. um, what's something within me that I might not have realized is there right now. Mm. Um, and then I can look at the card through that lens as a very, as just kind of an invitation and an awareness. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I don't always find it comes up very obviously throughout the day. Sometimes it's just, 
you know, if it's like the four of swords, it's like, Hey, what if you rested? (laughs) Then I'll try to be like, okay, I can, I can do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, um, but you know, sometimes it's, it's less clear. Sometimes it's like, Oh, interesting. I wasn't expecting to see the knight of wands today. Um, And so then I can kind of be aware of, you know, okay, what's an opportunity to pay attention to fire? What's, you know, where is my creativity Mm. manifesting and how Mm. do I want to tap into that today? Yeah. I think that's important too, because like, I, I feel like a lot of books out there say, you've got to ask specific questions to the card to the universe mm. or whatever. Like you have to have, don't come to the deck unless you have a specific thing in mind that you want to ask. And I sometimes I feel like I don't have anything specific <laughs> to ask, you know? So then yeah. I'm like, I'll sit there for ways, not wait, like use my whole time that I have allotted to this moment thinking about a question that I don't really have. But I think it's helpful to hear that you can just say, well, what do I need to know yeah. for today? What do I need to know in this moment? you know, what am I, maybe what am I missing in this moment? I have this yeah, thing going on in my life. There's lots of different angles to look at this from like what mm-hmm. shine a light on an angle that I'm missing. So I could see something maybe that I didn't see before. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, there are a lot of, there are a lot of tarot books that have a lot of rules in them. Like that you have to do this or you, you need, you don't ever do Sounds this. Sounds like the church. Um, <laughs> I know. Can you believe <laughs> when I first started reading and I was finding all these books with all these rules, I was like, fuck it. Then I just like jump out of Try to get away from this. Right? I, know. I don't, I don't want this. Um, and I'll, and some of those rules are good. Like, I don't think, you know, I I think the only hard and fast rule is don't use tarot cards to manipulate or scare other Mm -hmm. people. Like, I think that's the only hard and fast rule I have about it, but otherwise it's like, use them for what is going to build you up and, and support you and help you explore. And, um, and that's, that's kind of it. Like (laughs) whatever form that takes can be anything, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think just coming to the cards with like, what do I what do I need to hear today? What do I need to be thinking about? What's, what's a way to reframe this thing that's been in my head. Um, It doesn't have to be more specific than that. It can be, it certainly can be. And I think that's where spreads come in handy. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you just want to give yourself, you know, 10 minutes for like self-reflection and you want to pull a card about it, like, I think that's a really great way to engage with the cards in a way that feels not too uh, stressful (laughs) or intimidating. Right, right. So talk to us about like picking a deck. That's another Mm. thing that I get a lot. People have asked me like Mm. about picking decks and Stephanie was on the show, Stephanie Capone. She talked Mm. to us about that. Uh, Brittany Muller was on the show. She talked to us about that too. But what are some of your thoughts about picking a deck? Because I went to the bookstore before I got (laughs) my first deck. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go there and get a deck, you know? And there's a whole like wall. It's like a Bible. There's it's like the so Bible many. section. It is it's like, like so Bible many section. different. Well, I don't know yeah. what to pick. You know, like there's so many different <laughs> ones. Like, and... I haven't researched all these translations. Like, what is this one? Yeah. Like, so I went doing? home without anything because like yeah. this is just too overwhelming. That's so I went so to Amazon and got like a basic one. And then <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Then I felt more comfortable. What? But what are some of your thoughts about picking a deck for people? Yeah. So the way that uh, I recommend people choose decks is mm-hmm. is kind of like part of my tarot philosophy, which mm-hmm. is that. Um, working with the cards is about building a relationship with yourself and with mm-hmm. the deck. And so um, it's really about what kind of conversations you want to be having um, with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at all of the thousands and thousands of beautiful decks that are out there, um, there are a lot of recommendations to start with certain kinds of decks. The Rider-Waite-Smith is usually the one that's often recommended to beginners. Um, but if that artwork doesn't speak to you, it didn't speak to me. Um, if it doesn't, if you don't feel connected to it, if you don't feel inspired by it, um, these are images you're going to be working with potentially on a daily basis, maybe mm-hmm. even multiple times a day, if you end up being a professional or mm-hmm. you just are someone that wants to use them a lot, especially in like your work or creative practice. Um, these are images you're going to be engaging with in a highly personal and intimate way. And so mm-hmm. if the images don't 
feel good for you, if they don't intrigue you, if they don't speak to you, then that's not a deck you should be forcing yourself to work with. Yeah. Um, I learned that lesson the hard way. Like I, I, I mentioned a couple of things held me back from buying my first mm -hmm. deck. And one of them, the biggest one was certainly like the church and like, am I, is this going to cause me to stumble? Like, what are we doing yeah. here? Um, but the other thing was that every resource I found was telling me to buy this Rider Waite Smith deck and I don't mm -hmm. like it. <laughs> Right. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't buy, it's not my jam. I just don't, yeah. you know, I don't have anything against it. I mean, yeah. I, I suppose I have a few things against it, but I don't, I don't have any, I don't think it's a sure. bad deck to use, but it, it did not speak to me. And every time I, I did the thing where you put the deck in your digital cart and then you just like, don't check out. Yeah. I did that like <laughs> at least a dozen times. Yeah. I, I just could not get myself to buy this deck. Um, But then it made me afraid to buy any other deck because I thought mm -hmm. I was going to do it wrong. Um, But really the the deck you should buy is the deck you want to spend time with it's the, yeah. it's the deck you want to be having a conversation with it's it's a deck that you feel drawn to um and that you feel like the artwork really speaks to you that's going to be the best deck for you to start with um yeah. there are certainly decks that are more beginner friendly than others i would not recommend starting with a, a highly complex deck um, or a deck that doesn't have clear numbers or names mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I don't I don't think there's a wrong deck to start with. Um, it's really about one that you were going to be excited to reach for on a daily mm -hmm. basis, one that feels like friendly and good for you. Mm -hmm. um, if if you're not drawn to the cards, then every time you pick them up, you're going to be kind of like, okay. And that's not, that's not what you want. <laughs> sure. Are there different decks that like are focusing on different things I don't, I don't know i don't know if i asked that correctly but like i've gone <laughs> i've looked around at the store and i feel like i've seen mm -hmm. some that are very very dark for lack of a better word like they're very mm -hmm. dark very dreary and like it mm -hmm. seems like they're trying to draw you into a certain aspect of yourself where others are like super bright and colorful mm -hmm. and they're trying to draw you a different way yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasoning behind those different things. You know, yeah. I think aesthetic preference is, is real. Sure. <laughs> um, but also I, I do think that there are a lot of very um, intentionally lighthearted and friendly decks, like mm -hmm. soft decks, decks that like, especially like will rename or reskin um, like the scary cards of mm -hmm. the tarot. Um, and I think that in large part, that is because of not only the way that the church has vilified things like tarot, um, but also just the general depiction of tarot in, you know, books and, and media and film. Um, we see them as like this really esoteric, like hard to access magic that is going <laughs> to cause harm. You know, you yeah. pull a certain card and it's, you know, a sign of doom to come and all like of the these death things. the card or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Or the tower or yeah. the three of swords, you know, certain cards become really... Um, become really vilified for people and become really mm -hmm. scary and can be really triggering mm -hmm. um, and that's real and some people want to have a softer friendlier approach to tarot and honestly I think that's fine yeah. <laughs> um, you know if that's if that's going to help you not feel afraid of your deck which is mm -hmm. again not what you want like mm -hmm. um, then I, I think that can be helpful I, I I do generally caution people against like choosing decks that completely do away with any negative aspects because mm -hmm. i do think that there can be comfort in having pain acknowledged in your sure. readings sure. um i think that that's an important thing to not leave out um yeah. so i've seen advice to like take the cards that scare you out of your deck and i'm like if that's where you are then don't just don't read don't read right. with your cards don't right now <laughs> like give yourself a break like yeah. that tool is not going to be useful for you if that's yeah. if that's where you're at um yeah so one of the things i find interesting is we just talked about how you know, you, you pick up, you, you, you purchase a deck or you get a deck based upon how it draws you in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And like, you want to spend time with this and it's about the pictures on the cards. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And like, for me, I got the rider deck first and like, 
I used it for a little while, but like you said, it didn't really speak to me. Yeah. It's like, maybe I'm going to try something else. So I got the Luna Soul oh, deck yeah. and it's like super colorful, like very mm -hmm. pastel -y. I feel like it fits more my personality. And so I really okay. enjoyed spending time in there. But in your book, you have no pictures in no. your book, which I thought was really <laughs> interesting because we just talked about how important the pictures are to draw mm -hmm. you in. But your book has no pictures. Now, I have a lot of other tarot <laughs> books that have pictures in them. Yeah. But yours doesn't. So maybe but talk to us do. about that. Like, why did you leave pictures out of your book? Absolutely. Um, so I had to fight really hard to not have pictures. <laughs> they're just, uh, for anyone listening, they're just hand-drawn glyphs of astrological, mm. elemental, and planetary symbols, which I actually drew myself. Mm. Um, so it's it's a very text-forward book. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is because I think that even if the book itself is telling you, you can use any deck you want, um, but then it has pictures of a specific card and mm. is spending a lot of its time talking about the imagery on that specific card, it's still going to end up feeling like that book is the most most useful if you're using a specific kind of deck. Yeah. And so hmm. I really, it was really important to me that this book feel um, accessible to anyone, no matter what deck they were using. And that instead of putting the emphasis on your choice of deck, it's really yeah. about you engaging with whatever deck you have chosen. Yeah. I think that's good because there's a, like I have a couple other ones that I, I refer to sometimes and they'll, they'll use like the rider deck mm. as their main thing. And they'll point to different aspects of the card Mm -hmm. that's not on like my Luna soul exactly. card. And so then it's like, I feel like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it's not fitting. <laughs> but to your point, your book, it, I feel like it fits every deck. And was that hard to do? Like, was it hard to write about these different cards without making reference to a specific aspect of a specific card? Like, was it Oh, that's an interesting question. No, it wasn't. No. Um, but, uh, but I love that question. <laughs> um, I think it's been so so ever since the beginning of my practice, I really have not um, put a lot of emphasis on picking apart the image of the card and mm -hmm. like putting a lot of symbolism in the imagery, sure. which I think you can do. And I think there's a lot of value in that. But mm -hmm. especially when I started branching out into different decks, because at first I was like, I'm a one deck kind of gal. <laughs> I was a I was a new King James person and I'm going to sure. be a wild unknown person. You're faithful and that to is my it. deck. Yeah, <laughs> like, faithful to my deck. Um, but after like a year or so, I started to be like, well, okay, like what is the value of other decks? Why do people, and it's the same thing with using different translations of the Bible, like yeah. different artists, different translators, mm -hmm. different scholars are going to find different aspects of these archetypes and these cards and tease them out in ways that helps you understand new facets of the card. Mm. I don't think it's necessary for every single person to have a million decks. I really don't. <laughs> I live in a small Brooklyn apartment. I have too many decks. Right. Um, but um, but I do think that there is value in being able to read multiple decks and like mm. see what each different artist and illustrator or interpreter has brought to that card in particular. And like the ways that they draw that out or photograph it or whatever they're using um, helps you see different elements of of the card. Yeah. And so that's always been part of my writing practice is, is talking about the meaning of the card versus mm -hmm. the imagery of the card. Yeah. Um, and so it, it felt very natural in my book. It would have felt more unnatural to have them put in, Got like it. commit to a specific deck because it, it would have been the Rider Waite Smith, the, um, the way the copyright laws work for that deck. Uh, it's very, it's very okay. easy for publishers to include those images, which okay. is why they're in so many tarot books. Um, but because I don't, I very, I very famously do not use that deck. Um, but also I just, I really didn't want it. I didn't want it to feel like 
okay, we're going to talk about this card generally, but I'm also going yeah. to focus on the, you know, this gesture that the magician is doing in this Rider Waite Smith version, because sure. I, to your point, like, I do think it can be really alienating because then mm -hmm. you're like, do I have to look for this symbolism in my deck? And what if it's not here? Right. Like, what does that mean? And then you're, you're kind of stuck in your interpretations because you're only limited to imagery that's on a deck that you don't even have. Yeah, and that could be very distracting from like mm -hmm. trying to see what your what your specific card might be saying to you if you're trying to focus on trying to figure out how can I make this card fit into what this book is telling me <laughs> exactly. kind of thing. Yeah, it takes away yeah. from the whole point of it. So your book also points out, um, points to numerology and mm -hmm. um, astrology. So I was wondering if you could maybe talk to us about the relationship between tarot and those two things and how intensely someone or maybe not intensely someone who's new <laughs> to all of this needs to jump into all three because I'll be honest, like getting in the, the tarot has been eye-opening for me, but mm. numerology and astrology confuses me. <laughs> it also <laughs> has layers of its own baggage attached to it. So it feels 100%. safer, feels safer almost to tackle kind of one of these things at a time instead of all three. So again, maybe talk to us about the relationship between these three and how someone might who's new to all of this might start to dip their toes into it. Absolutely. So um, I want to preface this by saying I'm not a tarot historian or a tarot scholar. My book does not include tarot history, really, because there are people out there that have done a much better job than me. Um, with that, it's not my particular area of interest. Sure. Um, and I will also say before I dive into this, that it's absolutely not necessary to mm. work with astrology or numerology to read tarot. You can you can just work with the cards and it's absolutely mm -hmm. fine. Um <laughs> But the, when, when tarot originally started to gather kind of steam, um, the, the format of it was really largely based on um, numerology and elements. And so especially with the minor arcana, when you would pull a card, it would just have, you know, a number um, and the suit, kind of like our, our standard playing cards today. Um, and there wasn't any pictures or imagery to go along with it. And so mm -hmm. it was really up to people's knowledge of numerology and elemental work to kind of develop whatever their interpretation of that combination of numbers and elements was going to mean and how they mm. would read that for people. Um, and so part of the reason the Rider Waite Smith became so popular is because it really um, made it much more accessible to have this story locked into the miners in particular um, and giving people a story that they could follow with a much clearer singular interpretation mm. um and so uh astrology kind of came in a bit later um the order of the golden dawn which is crowley and you know wade and all of those folks um mm. they kind of just decided that they were going to put some <laughs> some astrological <laughs> correspondences onto the cards um and so you know you can use them if they're helpful i find some of them helpful and some of them not frankly mm -hmm. um and depending on how deep you are into astrology i think it can be useful as an additional lens through which to view those cards mm -hmm. and similarly if you have a background in numerology or you're using a marseille style deck or that really appeals to you mm -hmm. um having the knowledge of numerology can be useful in your interpretations, which is why I include both of those things because they have been helpful for me in my own studies. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, yeah, if you, if you come into tarot being like, okay, I have to also be an astrology expert and I also have mm -hmm. to be um, a numerology expert. And I also <laughs> have to like know the elements really well. And I have to be like an art historian or something, right. you know, it's, it's way too many things. I love enough um, time. <laughs> yeah. And nobody has time for all of that. But um, yeah. for me, numerology in particular um, was really useful in kind of my tarot breakthrough, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I, I was reading, I had been really struggling with the cards and I'd quit the 
them a few times. I, I kept being like, this doesn't work for me. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand how am I supposed to memorize 78 card meanings? Why does this, why does the story progress the way that it does? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, I found an article talking about the numerology of tarot and talking about how all of the aces are going to have similar energy and all of the, you know, fours are going to have similar energy across suits. Um, and that really helped me to be mm-hmm. able to figure out, oh, this is this this structure that's baked right into the cards is actually really useful for understanding how each of these cycles progresses and how yeah. I can um, map the majors onto the minors and how I can find all of these additional meanings beyond just like a few quick keywords um, that I was having trouble just straight up memorizing. Um, It really gave me a structure to sink into. Um, And so it was really important to me to include both of those things in the book, because for me, numerology, it just made such a difference in my understanding of working with the cards. Yeah. So do you think is like thinking of your book in particular, would you advise is the best way to do it? Is it, is it to read the book straight through? (laughs) Is it to, Cause I feel like for me, like I, sometimes I'll pull a card and I'll pull the same card multiple mm-hmm. times. And so mm-hmm. I'll, I'm, I'm in the same places of these books for mm-hmm. long periods of time and I never make it through a book. Like, is it helpful <laughs> to read like maybe your whole book to understand, to get a picture of the, the storyline of these cards and then also <laughs> use it on a, like a random mm-hmm. basis? Like what, what's the best way to use your book or any of these books really? I mean, I, I am, I am a nerd. I am a Gemini rising. I am someone that like loves information. And so yeah. I do, when I get a new tarot book, I do actually just sit and read it cover to read cover, it. but yeah. I, I think that that's unusual. <laughs> um, and maybe it's cause I'm a, a professional tarot reader. Maybe it's cause I'm a writer, you know, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm just I, the way that I'm wired. Like sure. I, I will absolutely just sit and read a tarot book cover to cover and read through every card description. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's necessarily how you have to use my book. Um, you know, the early sections, there's a forward and an introduction for me. And then, um, and then there's an intro sections, so to speak for, pre- I think it's called preparing the journey mm-hmm. um, that um, kind of sets up how to use the book and how, where tarot comes from and why we incorporate all of these different you know, numerology and astrology, these different correspondences and, mm-hmm. and different ways that we can use the cards Um and then, and so I think that's valuable for anyone mm-hmm. to read on getting the book. Um, I mean, I'm not going to tell you not to read the book, <laughs> but I do think that if it feels overwhelming to just sit and read about all 78 cards, then don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's definitely set up to be a a resource that you can return to again and again, and that you can grab when you, you know, pull a card and are like, I don't quite know how I feel about that or mm-hmm you know, what's a different way to view this. I think especially when people use spreads, mm-hmm. um, if a card comes up in a certain position and you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Right. <laughs> that card doesn't have anything to do with this position. It doesn't answer my question. I don't understand what this card is doing here. Yeah. Um, that's when I think tarot resources can be particularly helpful. And that's when I hope that my book in very much particular will be very helpful because it yeah. it offers a lot of different lenses to view each card through sure. and can give you perspectives on uh, on what the card might be trying to tell you uh, that you wouldn't necessarily um, jump to first otherwise. Yeah, so good. Okay, last thing. Would you mind uh, bringing our time to a close by re- giving us like a reading? Yeah. Or pulling a card for us because both Stephanie and Brittany did this for us and it was pretty <laughs> cool because they both... Just to see their hear their insight into the cards was a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you could do that for us and maybe share some wisdom, 
I'd be oh, happy to. We will to. all receive it. <laughs> I'd be happy to. Yeah. Um, so I pulled this uh, this deck. This is called the This Might Hurt um, Tarot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's by my friend Isabella Rotman. And um, I have a ton of cups on the bottom, which is mm -hmm. cute. Um, but this deck is kind of a modern redraw of the Rider-Waite-Smith. So okay. um, if you have any listeners that use the Rider-Waite-Smith, this should feel accessible. Mm -hmm. um, and if anyone uh doesn't have it and doesn't want to have it <laughs> this still feels modern and inclusive enough <laughs> team meg <laughs> join my party won't you <laughs> is there anything in particular are we just pulling a card for the community is there anything in particular you'd like me to read for um do you want me to read you a card <laughs> yeah sure um let's see i think i know i think i think it's for a lot of us i think we're all mm -hmm. we're all in this place of like deconstruction and like mm -hmm. rethinking our whole faith journey mm -hmm. just like what mm -hmm. we've all been raised with and i think there's a lot of people coming against significant pushback from their families and their churches so i think we're yes. all kind of in that place of am i going in the right direction am mm -hmm. i you know what, what should i be looking for as i kind of make my way through this journey so mm -hmm. i think that would be the the thing i would place before the cards yeah okay and frame that into a question what do listeners need to hear about being faithful to self yes. perhaps Perfect. Hmm. I love it. All right. I'm going to pull three cards here. Okay. All right. So the first card that I pulled is one of my favorites. And I'm really mm -hmm. glad that I pulled this card because uh, I think that um, it is one of those cards that people that are new to tarot or have been reading for a long time have a lot of feelings about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the card I pulled is the Three of Swords. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I don't typically describe imagers because that's not really part of my practice. But would you like me to describe the image on this card? Yeah, that not? way people who aren't watching can uh, yeah. just hear what, 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 what we're seeing. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so this Three of Swords, um, it looks like a goose. Um, I don't know why I said that weird. It looks like a goose. Um, <laughs> um, and it is kind of falling through the sky with some rain clouds and some rain falling on it. And it has been pierced by three swords. It's a very dramatic looking mm -hmm. little card here. Um, and generally, um, the kind of traditional or classic interpretations of this card is betrayal. Mm. Um, we tend to talk about the Three of Swords as a card um, of being let down by someone, um, being harmed by someone or hurt by someone, or doing harm or betraying mm. someone else. Um, and that meaning really comes from uh, the suit of swords is associated with the element of air. Um, it's the mind, it's communication, it's information and insights. It's also truth. Um, and three is a number of expression. And so if we think about speaking carelessly or speaking truth, but not really uh, being concerned about someone else, being more concerned about what we want to say, mm -hmm. um, that can obviously do a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where that kind of classical meaning tends to come from. If you have a little white book, that meaning is probably the one that's in it, if it's a Rider Waite Smith <laughs> style deck. Um, but I really love this card, actually, because mm -hmm. I think it is an invitation to pay attention to the truths that come from within mm -hmm. us, even if we don't immediately understand them or know what to do with them mm -hmm. um three is associated with um with generosity and outpouring um and it can be kind of messy it can be kind of raw you know the first time that we express an idea or a creative um process it's not necessarily going to be perfectly refined yet and mm -hmm. that's where some of the the challenge can come from right some of the stickiness but there's also a real authentic value into what comes out of us unfiltered mm -hmm. um, and i think especially in a spiritual journey, paying attention to the truths that resonate with us, even if they force us to then 
consider, okay, how is that truth maybe harming me? Or how mm-hmm. is that truth um, impacting me? Or how is that influencing what else I seek out? Yeah. Giving ourselves the space to really process and reflect on that is a really important part of the process, and especially when we're in the midst of deconstructing or looking at our faith with a more critical lens. Yeah. Those things that have caused us harm in the past or are causing us harm at present are really important to pay attention to. Um, yeah. I think especially, I mean, for any of your listeners that are queer, Mm -hmm. Um, and grew up evangelical it's a really harmful place to be sometimes depending on depending on your church and your faith Um, but brushing that under the rug doesn't do us any favors right we have to look at that critically and we have to be real about that so that we can actually process that hurt and deal with it um, instead of burying it and letting it continue to fester yeah so that's the first card um i pulled two clarifying cards just to kind of add some extra juice to it because the three of swords can you know, bring, make people feel some kind of way. Um, and I actually pulled two majors as mm-hmm. kind of the extra. Um, so the first one is the lovers, which mm-hmm. really shows, um, a, uh, they, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna assign them genders, but there are two figures here. Um, and it's a very garden of Eden, um, mm-hmm. naked hug in a beautiful natural looking space with trees and flowers. Um, there's joy here. There's trust here. Um, there is an angel overhead um, with a bow uh, hanging out in the clouds. Mm. Um, and that's our lover's card. That's a six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have the Wheel of Fortune, mm. which is our 10 card. And in this one, um, we kind of see a sphinx looking figure um, with a wheel and a sword and a snake. Um, the Wheel of Fortune is kind of that uh, one of the midpoints of the major arcana. Mm. And so these cards together are both really about choice and surrender. Um, six as an archetype um, is really tied to responsibility and duty, but it's also about celebrating how far we've come. Mm. Um, and with six, we have kind of moved past a point of friction or challenge and are really starting to embrace what things look like now that we've made some difficult, complicated choices. It's taken mm. responsibility for those choices, but also celebrating the paths that those choices have allowed us to now walk. Um, And so with the lovers, we often think about community, we think about partnerships, we think about the people that see us for who we are. And so in thinking about that spiritual journey and thinking about the three of swords, who lets you live in your truth, like who in your who in your life, who in your community, who in your world, um, is willing to sit with you in those moments where you want to be your full self, even mm-hmm. if it costs something or even if it requires some kind of change. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you trust to sit with you in those messy moments? And how do you allow those people to also celebrate with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Wheel of Fortune, we tend to think about control and surrender. This card often gets tied to ideas of like destiny and fate mm-hmm. and karma and luck. Um and as spiritual people, especially for anyone, uh, I mean, I was raised Calvinist, so <laughs> you know, you have these ideas of predestination and tulip. Uh, I know, I'm like, oh god, <laughs> um, yeah. Especially if you have these ideas of predestination, luck can feel like kind of a loaded term. But yeah. um, I tend to think of the wheel of fortune more as uh, the forces that are beyond our control. No matter what you attribute those to, whether you contribute it to, to God's will or anything else, um, you know, there are things outside of us that none of us have control over gravity (laughs) Um, you know things that that just move around us that we cannot personally impact and so the wheel often asks us to pay attention to what we can control and what we cannot control what patterns are we in that we have agency over and what patterns are we in that we perhaps have less 
influence over than we realize? And how do we tie those things together? How do we find ourselves connected to that broader map of the world and the universe? And how do the things that we choose to do um, influence and impact those around us? You know, none of us lives in a vacuum. None of us lives in a bubble. The things that we do matter to other people, the things that we say, the things that we feel. Um, And so all of these cards really speak to choice. Um, but they're about being really deliberate with our choices. You know, how do we, how do we choose to accept truth? How do we choose to engage with truth? Mm -hmm. Um, How do we allow ourselves to be supported through truth? Um, And how do we surrender to certain truths? I think that's, that's what I would leave your your listeners with. That's so good. I I thank you for sharing those cards with us and just for giving us those, those thoughts. And it's funny because before uh, you hopped on Zoom. I had my cards here and I was mm. talking to God and I was saying, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the podcast, thinking about my journey and thinking about some of the recent pushback I've received and just mm. feeling rather defeated. And the, mm. the card I pulled was the lover's card. Oh, I love that. Which is what you just shared with <laughs> we us. We love a synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? But that's really, that's really cool. So thank you for, for sharing oh, that. My pleasure. And, Can uh, I yeah. ask what you saw in that card? Do you mind sharing that? I haven't, yeah. I, 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 podcasts are always funny for me because I always want to ask a million questions back, but I know that's not always how it works. Yeah. But, I think for um, me, it was the, just that piece about relationship and about mm. the piece about just knowing what voices to to listen to because on, on this card it's the luna soul mm-hmm. card i don't know if you you can see it but there's this angelic feature at the top yeah. and she looks like she's Beautiful. shooting some kind of beam almost down to this mm-hmm. woman and that beam is going over to the to the guy and it felt like to me it was no know where your strength comes from it doesn't come from you know the opinions of other people it doesn't come mm-hmm. from that commenter on youtube it doesn't come from <laughs> those places it comes from the divine it comes from within and that's the voice you need to listen to. So I was just a refresher for me. I love that. Yeah, I think I think the lovers really taps into that. Like, it's it's your life. Who are you listening to? Who are you yes. letting lead it? Like, yeah. how are, are you making your choices for yourself? Are you making them for someone else? Yeah. Um, and how is that manifesting actually yeah. in your actions? Yeah, so yeah. good. Well, hey, we're just about out of time, but this has been so much fun. Thank you for taking the time to join us and share with us your story. And your amazing Thank book. Thank you for having me. This has been so wonderful. It's been really great to chat with you, Glenn. Thank yeah, you. for sure. And real quick, anywhere you want to point us to online, your Instagram handle oh, sure. or any kind of website, anything like that? Yeah, um, you can find me at megjoneswall.com and 3amtarot.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at 3am.tarot. Um, I'm on Twitter <laughs> whatever Twitter is Never right is. now um, at Meg Jones. Well. Uh, I know. Um, but yeah, Instagram and my newsletter on which you can find via my website are going to be the best ways to follow me. So awesome. Yeah. I'll put the links in the show notes. So maybe we'll do it again sometime. Thank you. I would love to. Everyone for an exchange, trying to make a little change coming up on the tray. Take that to the bank. Yeah. Make sure you maintain little money make it dance climbing up on the chain yeah number one on the ranks everyone for an exchange trying to make a little change coming up on the tray take that to the bank yeah make sure you maintain little money make it dance climbing up on the chain yeah number one on the red here go my plate i collect i'm taking whatever i get 
I'm constantly chasing the check. Make sure my mental is check. One thing I can never forget. I'm seeking for financial freedom. I'm set. Can settle for nothing or less. I'm not the one to finesse. About to be primes. No the shade. Ignore the dodge. Over here popping. I done came up and I'm moving these columns. One click, then boom. Money transforms zoom. Bank accounts start to bloom. No need to assume. Ever want for an exchange? Trying to make a little change. Coming up on the trade. Take that to the bank, yeah. Make sure you maintain. Little money make you dance. Climbing up on the chain, yeah. Number one on the ranks. Ever want for an exchange? Trying to make a little change. Coming up on the trade. Take that to the bank, yeah. Make sure you maintain. Little money make you dance. Climbing up on the chain, yeah. Number one on the ranks. Yeah. Celebrate, it's a good day, I'm getting paid On a new level, it's in my face Throwing it bags, I need to save It's on lock, washing my back as it's hot The numbers, I'm moving the stock No time to waste on the clock I'm hitting the big on my way to the top Make sure my family are good I'm sharing the work cause it's equal to lot We got got hands in the pot The motto is we all we got Huh, the ones who died to do everything that I forgot It's all love, I'm in it to win it Either you win it or not Ever want for an exchange? Trying to make a little change. Coming up on the trade. Take that to the bank, yeah. Make sure you maintain. Little money make you dance. Climbing up on the chain, yeah. Number one on the ranks. Ever want for an exchange? Trying to make a little change. Coming up on the trade. Take that to the bank, yeah. Make sure you maintain. Little money make you dance. Climbing up on the chain, yeah. Number one on the ranks.